Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one again. One, two, three again. One, two, three. That's how elementary it's going to be. Good afternoon. I Hold on. I got to get Facebook Live going, YouTubers. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, childrens of all ages. You are watching uh, Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am the aforementioned Tony Visick. I'm trying to get my... Uh, Get myself uh, situated here so I can give you a high-quality production, uh, kind of high-quality production that you're used to if you generally watch our show. Uh, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or Arizona Time, however you want to look at it. Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time. Hello, Tina and Mike. Hello, Randy. Um, we're back. We took a day off yesterday. Since we started this little podcast, broadcast, internet, radio station transmission, uh, we've taken a, a total of two days off, both being Sundays. One, because we were uh, on the road, not far, just going from one area to another out here in southern Arizona. And then yesterday, because uh, I just wiped out, man, just wiped out. It was time for a break. Um uh, uh, I know when you're watching this, you go, damn, he just makes it look so easy. And you know what? It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. There's a certain amount of prep and you build your day around it and other activities that you're doing on Zoom and the internet and in your front yard and backyard. And I just needed uh, to take a little day off. So I beg your indulgence for that. But we're back now and we'll be back with you every day this week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And of course, Saturday night at 7 p.m. And of course, Sunday we'll be here at 2 p.m. And I will have... Put together by tonight, a Sunday night Tony Vizic presents Sunday Night's Funnier on Zoom for your uh, for your uh, watching and listening pleasure. Uh, this is your daily reprieve from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. It continues unabated, nonstop. Uh, the virus is uh, spreading, I think, for those of us who uh, took social distancing and wearing masks seriously especially uh, in the first two or three months, thinking, by God, we will uh, get this, get the R-naught down. Uh, if you don't know what an R-naught is, I'll explain it later. And uh, be able to resume normal activities. Are uh, a little upset that uh, many of our uh, fellow citizens didn't take it seriously. And now the United States is damn near number one in infections. So it shouldn't be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Uh, maybe it took a lot of people getting sick and a lot of people who were with us in March, at the beginning of March, not being with us now, for other people to take this seriously. I certainly hope they do. I want all of you to stay alive, safe, sane, happy, healthy. I want you around for a long time to come. I would like to be around for a long time to come. Um, and the way we're going to do it is by safe social distancing, wearing masks, and thinking about the well-being of others. We have to think about the well-being of others. So uh, anyway, um, we're playing it. Uh, we're playing it close to the vest right now. I hope you are too. Uh, this show is built around three things primarily, and that is interaction with you, the audience, as you leave questions and comments on YouTube or ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com or on Facebook Live. Uh, I share with you some little bauble or trinket or memorabilia that I have laying around here in the home office. Uh, and sometimes can weave a little starry around it. Um, thank you, man. Thanks, John. Love the hat. Yeah, it's North Carolina. I got this hat 
Let me tell you where I got this hat. There's stories behind everything. Uh, way back in the early 90s, early mid-90s, I was directing a piece of theater in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is true. Uh, my good friend Rich Scheidner uh, wanted to do a one-man show, and a guy named Brad Greenberg, who was a uh, pretty major comedy booker throughout the Southeast, throughout the South and the Southeast, decided to bankroll it, and we did it in a um, bar, nightclub, and a hotel in Charlotte. That's where we did the, uh, did the play, the one-man show. And I directed it and helped them put the whole thing together. We were there for three or four weeks in Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, the Tar Heels, et cetera, being big there. There was a lot of memorabilia around. And I picked myself up a North Carolina hat. I have had this hat since 93 or 94. It was a notable for me for a couple of reasons. It brought me back to directing theater, which is something that I loved and haven't done very often since. I've done it a couple times since then directing and producing theater. It was a one-man show. It was Rich Scheidner's one-man show that eventually became uh, The Adventures of Canyon Man. At the time, it was titled by the producers, Every Man is a Hero. Uh, I helped with the stage design, set design, the writing of it. Uh, Rich wrote it, but helped him, you know, move the words around properly. Uh, we did it there in North Carolina. It was notable for a couple things. Uh, it was notable that I was in North Carolina for like six weeks. And during that time... Um, my other great friend and mentor from that era, Bill Hicks, passed away. So the hat has sentimental value for me. And every once in a while I put it on. You know, I don't wear it around a lot because uh, it it's got, got faded and dirty. And uh, I try to wear a new hat when I go out. But it's one of many hats I wear. And we have it on today. And there is a story behind it. And I've had it for a long, long time. Um, hey, a couple things coming up real quick. Uh, if you're still interested in doing one of our stand-up comedy workshops, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, because uh, they're fun and they're interesting, they're engaging, they're exciting. And if you're sitting out there going, I don't, I'm not a writer, I'm not a comic, I'm not a comedian, you don't know what you are sometimes until you uh, uh, attempt something. Uh, you could get weird with that, I guess, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> you don't know if uh, by spending a few weeks uh, Judd Dunning is from Highlands, North Carolina. Judd, I did not know that. Uh, Judd Dunning, who um, was kind enough to take my class many years ago in Los Angeles and has remained a friend uh, at a lot of different levels ever since. Hello to you, Judd. Hello to my neighbor. I'm not going to say which one you are. I don't want people to, if they ever you know, decide to uh, picket me, that they don't picket you as well. Uh, my neighbor. Um, anyway, you should try it. Uh, Wednesday nights are advanced class. If you have previously been in the class and go, damn it, I want to jump in. It's class two. I can get you caught up on what you missed on class one, get you on your way, do a live Zoom show in August. If you're in Phoenix and everything's working out okay, we will have a uh, also a live in-person show. Got that going on for you. Uh, if you've never done it before and you want to learn the structure of how to write, rehearse, and perform, Thursday night's your night. Thursday night is class two. But once again, I can get you caught up on what you missed in class. I want to get you on your way. Uh, go to ComedySchools.com and click either beginning class or advanced class in order to pay, register, and get your Zoom codes. Hello, Kevin Brown. Such a diverse audience we have. I love it. Uh, people from all over the country, from all walks of life, right here, right now, all the way from my childhood up to my most recent friends and throughout my life. So uh, one of the things we do is your uh, memorabilia, where we talk about things, everything old, making it new again. So uh, I would like to make something importantly, this is important to me, what I'm going to share with you right now, 
is incredibly important to me. I want you to listen carefully, okay? So many voices out there screaming about so many things important, so many major shifts and changes going on, so many people telling you that this is the most important thing. Here's what's important to me. I want you to know right now, unequivocally, without a doubt, hello, champ, hello, Oris, and I will attest to this in a court of law, and I will stand by it, and I don't care what it does to my career. I don't care what it does to my personal life. I don't care what it does to my marriage. I don't care. I do not collect bobbleheads. Got it? I am not a collector of bobbleheads. And anybody who claims that I'm a collector of bobbleheads, then uh, I, uh, I take umbrage. I take umbrage. And if I was in front of you, I would throw down the gauntlet or the glove, probably like right now, like a, one of those ugly plastic gloves. And if I threw it down, I'd pick it up because I don't want to litter while I'm trying to save myself from coronavirus. I do not collect bobbleheads. Anybody who claims I collect bobbleheads is a liar. That being said, here's our latest bobblehead right here. <laughs> and it's an Arizona Diamondback. By the way, the Arizona Diamondbacks are on my team. The St. Louis Baseball Cardinals are on my team. But I live in Arizona. So somehow, inexplicably, I've ended up with a lot of this Arizona Diamondbacks. This is a good bobblehead. Uh, it's part of a collection you can hook together. And I've got two of them so far. Uh, this is, uh, and it's from... Uh, D-backs reward fries. So it was fries, which is a grocery chain out here. Was probably having a fries uh, promo giveaway night. And the first X amount of people got bobbleheads. It's a very good bobblehead. Look at the head bobbles well. These bobbleheads are interesting. And I'll tell you why. Because on um, previous bobbleheads or the, uh, the making of bobbleheads for a long time, the heads were bigger. Bigger heads. And then sometime in the last few years, they started making bobbleheads with smaller heads, making them a wee bit more anatomically correct, but not actually. All right, now this is Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds is a, a storied and much-loved uh, Arizona Diamondback uh, broadcaster. I think he was manager for a while. Maybe you can tell me, or at least a coach. And also uh, a two-fisted drinker and a party animal who uh, was constantly getting himself in trouble. So many athletes get themselves in trouble in Arizona. We talked them into living, uh, moving here. Uh, because of the tax situation. Uh, it's kind of a fun place. And then there's an area called Old Town Scottsdale that is just chock full of uh, nightclubs where the wealthy and ASU co-eds hang out. Starting to see the picture, starting to get it. In Old Town, and uh, many of our uh, uh, most storied and fabled athletes have gotten busted for drinking when uh, uh, leaving bars there, including um, uh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, who was um, uh, <laughs> obscenely honest about what he was doing the night he got pulled over for drunk driving while leaving a bar in Old Town Scottsdale with a uh, young lady. And uh, they asked, uh, the cops asked him what he, was, what he was doing, and he says he was taking around a corner to get a BJ. This is Charles Barkley said this, okay? <laughs> he was taking around a corner, and she was going to uh, give him head. <laughs> and he said, he said, do you know her? She's known for being the best one in town. He said, she'll do it for you guys too. The police were nonplussed and uh, they kind of ruined Charles's evening. I don't know if he ever then uh, was able to uh, re-engage with the young lady. That part of the story has not been shown, uh, not been shared. But uh, Mark Reynolds uh, was not busted, by the way, um, while attempting to engage in a sexual act with a woman in a car. But he was arrested for, uh, I think he's a couple times for drunk driving. But a hell of a guy, party animal.
Uh, Glenn Roman says, uh, never been there. I was in church. Sure you were, Glenn. You were uh, looking for the church key. Uh, Kevin Brown says, Tony, there's no power in denial, but an extreme amount in acceptance. Acceptance in the power of, acceptance in the power of bobbleheads. No, Kevin Brown. No. You know, I got to be honest with you. There are people here that know me, but they haven't talked to me in a long time. And if you people start spreading some sort of false rumor that I'm a bobblehead collector, what will their children think? What? Now, my, now the producer's j chiming in. What? If, by, by the way, yes. <laughs> and I, I will not order them on eBay. I got to find them in a thrift. Uh, CB for BJ, Kevin Brown. There we go, Charles Barkey for, yes. Uh, if you uh, ever see a Mo from the Three Stooges around, I have Larry and Curly as a bobblehead. I do not have Mo. Kind of hard to get, okay? But I'm not going to order these things. That, that, that way lies madness. Only while I'm out... Um, there's a couple of thrift stores around town, and when uh, the wife and I uh, go into town for supplies, you know, to get gingham and uh, some sourdough and some yeast and some, some seed and corn to plant, you know, uh, so we can grow our crops and we're doing that. And we go to a grocery store. Sometimes we will pop in uh, masked and gloved up and look in thrift stores, and damn it, there's a lot of bobbleheads. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I don't know if there's someone out there who's in such a dire straits financially that they're selling off their bobbleheads, and I certainly hope not. I would hate to think that uh, the few bobbleheads I have, not a collection, the few bobbleheads I have, um, that I'm able to get them because of someone else's uh, uh, misfortune. I don't think that's the case. Although, uh, remember this, if you ever go to Goodwill, you know what? The better the neighborhood, the better the Goodwill as far as clothes go. Do you know that? Like, if you're ever in Sedona, like, Judd, I know you like going to Sedona. Now, I used to go to Sedona a lot. My wife and I went to Sedona so often and hiked around there so much. And I went hiking with my daughter up there. And we've been there so many times that we started doing other stuff up there. We found a Goodwill in Sedona, and they had incredibly, incredible shirts and pants and, and out suits. And you know why? Because a lot of stuff you get in Goodwill is from dead people. And the people who die in Sedona are rich. So you got a lot of rich dead men's clothes. Whereas if you go to like a Goodwill out here where I live, um, what you got are like a lot of overalls, coveralls, and uh, 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 pants with uh, holes in the knees, but not those cool ripped uh, pants that uh, rich Scottsdale girls wear. Uh, all right. I've gone on enough about bobbleheads. And I've given you a good tip about Goodwill shopping, okay? Like, if there's a Goodwill anywhere near Santa Monica or Beverly Hills, I'd go in there, man. You're going to get some cool stuff there, okay? But uh, don't go in one by, you know, like probably where uh, Tina, where uh, Mike Lawson and I grew up, if there's a Goodwill out in House Springs. You know, and it might be some cool stuff in a Goodwill in House Springs because you got a lot of people there who have collected things over the years, you know? Um, by the way, if you're ever going to buy, like, an old 1950s car, you know, what you want to do is you want to fly into a place like Oklahoma or Arkansas or Alabama and rent a car and go drive around the back roads. And I guarantee you, you'll see some car from the 50s sitting in the front yard for sale. If you're ever looking for cars in the 50s that uh, you want to refurbish or some of them don't even need refurbishing, okay, uh, don't go on eBay. You'll get ripped off there, a car guru. 
uh, you'll get ripped off by thousands of dollars, a lot of people say. But uh, get in a car and drive through the back roads of Oklahoma, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, any of those places, off the main highway on the back roads. And you'll come across farmhouses and little homes that have been there for 100 years. And in the front yard, oftentimes, is a great 1956 Chevy or 57 Ford or 59 Chrysler. I owned a 58 Chrysler once, push button. I've owned two push button automatic cars in my lifetime. I may be one of the few people that can claim that. All right. Look, I've just given you a lot of good tips. Think what I can teach you about comedy. If I give you tips on how to buy uh, classic cars and good clothes at Goodwill. And um, let's see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Mike, Tina and Mike say they steal out of the Goodwill box before they can collect it. True story. By the way, when I was a teenager in the 70s, uh, there's no place for teenagers to go, so we would all gather in parking lots. A whole bunch of us, it, it's common, I think they still do it. You pull up, you got five, six, ten cars, everybody's out, turn on your radios or stereos, or in those days, eight-track cassettes. Everybody's passed around a bottle of wine and maybe a marijuana cigarette. I'm not advocating that for young people, I'm just saying that how it was. And in uh, Hauser Sprangs, uh, we used to gather sometimes uh, up by the post office, but oftentimes across the street with the greasy spoon otherwise known as the House Springs Cafe is, and there was a Goodwill box there. And one night, real high, I decided to see what was in there, and I kind of fell in, you know, because they're up high. I climbed up, and I fell in, and it came out. I found a really cool winter coat, and that was the winter coat that I wore for a good part of my senior year. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. You stealing from Goodwill? People are giving in. First off, Goodwill is a for-profit agency. It's not a charitable organization. Man, I hope now that I don't all of a sudden get a letter from Goodwill going, based on your statement and what we would have been able to retail that coat for, you're now owe us $914. I will deny it and say that this was all fiction. All right, let's get to the music, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to the music. I'm going to cover, you know, I, a lot of times I cover like weird offbeat uh, bands and singers or stuff that maybe you wouldn't normally listen to. The whole idea being that if I share it with you, that you'll then YouTube it and listen and tell me what you think. Um, today, we're going to go big, at least big for my generation. Matter of fact, this, uh, this band uh, recorded the song, My Generation, and it's The Who. The name of this album is Meaty, Beady, and Bouncy. Meaty, Beady, and Bouncy. And I'm sure it meant something to Pete Townsend and Keith Moon. And on the back, we have the young men in the prime of their... First off, in the front, we got them as little boys. Just as little boys. All right? Whether it's actually them as little boys, I don't know. I kind of think... Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. You can tell by looking. There they are. And it's like uh, they're looking at themselves as little boys. And on the back, kind of cool. It's them as then uh, grown young men and the little boys looking. Like, whoa, you know, and this is a great album. This is a great album. I think it's a best of album. Meaty, meaty, beady, big and bouncy. Meaty, beady, big and bouncy. On Decca. That was the, uh, uh, the company that pressed it. Side one is, uh, I can't explain. A lot of their major hits. Okay, the kids are all right. Happy Jack. da 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 I can see for miles pictures of Lily and of course generation meaty beady big and bouncy you're right Fred I did correct myself but you were right and thank you for that 
uh, my generation, they had written because they were, uh, there was uh, two distinct teenage groups running the streets of London at the time. There was the mods and the rockers and the who were mods. You saw when we first saw them when they were young and first on television with the uh, frilly shirts and the sort of Edwardian look. Say to the mods, and then the rockers, and the rockers did whatever the version of amphetamines that were around at the time. They did a lot of them, and they stuttered. They stuttered because they did so much speed. And my generation, when he goes, things do look awful cold. They're actually making fun of the rockers and the way that they stuttered. So there's a little story about that. Uh, also on side two, uh, anywhere, anyway, anyhow, anywhere, pinball wizard. Ding, 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 ding. It was stunning and massive hit. Uh, Legal Matters, Boris the Spider, and the Magic Bus, Substitute Number Boy. Ba, 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 da, ba, da. I will tell you that the song Substitute, my first uh, time I ever heard it, was by a local band in St. Louis called The Extremes. They played uh, at a teen dance club that I hung out in in House Springs on the weekends when my parents would let me. Uh, and they did a, a single pressing, a 45. They went to some studio there in Fenton, Missouri or something and made a 45. And one side was their uh, song, The Facts of Life, that was their song. And side two was their version of uh, Substitute. I didn't realize it was a Who song. I didn't know it was a Who song. So there you are. Big double album. Best of. Got a cool inside, I guess, of their neighborhood. Uh, of course, two of the uh, people that we're seeing here are no longer with us. Of course, Keith Moon and, uh, um, hell, I forget the bass player's name. That's what happens after you die. Uh, and he died uh, flagrant. Into, he, he, he died engaging in the same activity that Charles Barkley was trying to engage in uh, when he got pulled over by the cops. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, But that's why... People got into rock and roll. That's why people got into acting. That's why people got into showbiz was to have fun. Uh, they seem to be fuck. Uh, they seem to be sucking the fun out of it right now. Uh, you know, it's not a good time to be old because if you get coronavirus, you get very sick. But I don't know if it's going to be young because everybody's so. Uh, we're going through a new puritanism right now. Uh, this time, um, it's the one time that I will complain about uh, something near my side from the left. The new puritanism is coming from the left. The words you say, the actions you engage in, the attitudes and ideas that you have. Um, when I was a kid, we were just coming out of that horrible era where uh, artists' lives were destroyed for being uh, friends with communists or having attended a communist party in the 1930s or, or uh, anything at all. And their lives were ruined and destroyed and there were suicides. And Later on, there were movies done about it and people like Rod Serling and Kirk Douglas fought against these terrible blacklists against people because of their political beliefs. We're now in a new one. And now it's based on maybe some ideas that you had or statements that you made in the past that uh, don't jibe with uh, a modern ethos. Um, Glenn Roman says, when I was growing up, I had the Muppet movie soundtrack. There's a lot wrong with that sentence, Glenn. First off, you said, when I was growing up, that would then lead us to believe that you have and I know you and you haven't. And you know what? By the way, never do. Never do. You're a fun guy just as you are. The next album, a big one, a monster, okay? Uh, a soundtrack for a generation 
for some, the words in this album become as important to people as for some words in the Bible, whether that should be or shouldn't be. I don't know. Uh, the man who was the leader of this group, the titular leader of this group, at one time said that his band was more popular than Jesus Christ. They caught a lot of flack for that. He was just being honest. Saying right now we're more popular. You know. Uh, we're talking about John Lennon. We're talking about Imagine. This album was the soundtrack and the belief system for a lot of young people for a very, very long time. Imagine. Uh, the song Imagine, which is a beautiful, dreamy uh, sort of ballad, uh, piano-driven tune uh, that kind of laid out a manifesto for uh, belief. Um, with great songs like uh, Give Me Some Truth. I'm sick and tired of hearing things from uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded hypocrites. And you can say that about people who are attacking people for the words they say no. Uh, oh, My Love, great love song to Yoko. How Do You Sleep, which was his attack on uh, Paul McCartney, because uh, he was a vicious bitch when he felt like. How? Uh, oh, Yoko, once again, a love song to Yoko. Of course, imagine, crippled inside, him talking about himself. All right, uh, Jealous Guy, once again, a love song. It's So Hard, <coughs> which I don't really remember that well. Uh, and I don't want to be a soldier, mama. I don't want to die, which, of course, was an anti-war song. Those were the songs on Imagine. This was an album that blew up and became a staple. You had to have it in your house. Like when I was a kid, in, my, in almost every adult's house in my family, there were two things. There was a portrait of John F. Kennedy and a Bible. A portrait of John F. Kennedy and a Bible. For my generation for a long time, in everyone's house, sitting prominently in front of their record collection, was John Lennon's Imagine. Stunning piece of work showing the evolution of him as a writer. I have a personal connection <coughs> to the album Imagine. If you go to ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com and you scroll through, you'll find an interview with a man named Shelly Yakis. Shelly Yakis is a wonderful human being who I became good friends with when I was working on a project in North Scottsdale about 10 years ago. And Shelly is a legendary sound engineer Matter of fact, he was Jimmy Ovine, Jimmy Ovine who produced Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks and, and uh, so many other great artists, uh, and then actually helped usher in the uh, gangster rap era when he partnered with Dr. Dre. Shelly Yakis was the house engineer. If you hired Jimmy to produce your album, Shelly came along with it. Stunning engineer who worked with a lot of great people. Shelly Yakis, very dear friend of mine. We do have an interview with him on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Fun guy to talk to. He was one of the sound engineers on Imagine. So I got to talk with Shelly Yakis what it was like to work with John Lennon. And he said that everything that we think about John Lennon was true, that he was a nice guy. Uh, <clears throat> he had a great sense of humor. He was a perfectionist. On this album, on the back here, look at that. Remember that? That Apple thing? All right. One side is all the lyrics. On the other side is all the people that worked on the album. And it lists out the sound engineers. Here it is. Uh, uh, engineers. I've got to find it here. Right here under sound engineers, it says Shelly, uh, sound engineers, Shelly Yakis, sleep. Shelly Yakis, sleep. 
That was John Lennon's nickname for Sheliakis because they would put in so many hours recording this album. I don't know if you know what goes into recording an album. Maybe you do, but they will, you know, artists will put in hour on hour on hour and day after day and week after week and month after month to make a group of songs on an album. And they were putting in so many hours that Shelley would actually just sleep at the recording council. And one time, John Lennon walked in and goes, oh, what are you doing, sleeping on the job? Yeah, Shelley, Shelley Sleepyakis, that's your name now. And on the back of this album, and on the inner sleeve of this album, is Shelley Yakis. By the way, you should Google Shelley Yakis. Stunning career. Stunning career. And wonderful and nice guy. Worked on the last uh, film project that I did two years ago. We filmed it at a recording studio in Los Angeles. The uh, investors still have the uh, have all the um, footage, and I'm waiting to see what they're going to do with what I shot. There it is. Shelley Yakis Sleep. So, that is my personal connection to John Lennon my, what, two degrees of separation from John Lennon and the album Imagine. And I feel pretty cool about that. Uh, I have no connection to The Who, except that I really enjoyed their music. Okay, we're going to wrap it up for today. Hello, Bill Kirkenbauer. Good to see you. Uh, we're going to wrap it up for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. with more stuff. What did we talk about today? We talked about The Who's meaty, beady, big and bouncy. Kind of a best of album. Great album. Uh, John Lennon's Imagine. We talked about that I am not a collector of bobbleheads, even though I showed you my latest, which is Mark Reynolds right here. All right. Every day at 2 p.m., we are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, hoopla, and weirdness in the world. Here at Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. Yes, Glenn, his office was cool. All right. Love y'all. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.